they say can be done We've got a long way to go And a short time to get there I'm Eastbound, just watch no bandit run Hello and welcome back to today's episode of Bayou Chronicles. We are your hosts. I'm Crystal. And I'm Bethany. So how was everyone's Christmas? I had a pretty good one. Yeah, we had a pretty good one. We just stayed at home. Just us and the kiddos. Mm, you were supposed to come over to my house. We were. Oh well, whatever. Uh, <laughs> you guys should see Crystal's face right now. I just feel so <laughs> betrayed. I don't know. Christmas was weird this year. I mean, we're all living through a pandemic, and I think a lot of us just wanted to stay at home. I know. That's what my best friend said. She said she went to her family's house for a little bit and then came home and slept, and I was like, that's the dream. A lot of people said that this year. They just kind of, I don't know. It didn't feel like Christmas this year, but we made the best of it. Well, um, however, in my family, we do have one last thing to celebrate, and the 6th. It's King's Day or Epiphany Day or whatever you celebrate across the world because different countries celebrate it differently. Mm-hmm. Bethany doesn't celebrate this. Mm-mm. I mean, I know of it. We just never technically celebrated yeah. it. It was just an excuse from mom to give me one more present. And in our family, we eat Tres Leches cake. Tres Leche cake mm-hmm. on King's Day. But a lot of people eat King's cake. King mm-hmm. cake. And that's probably what we're doing now. So I'm definitely excited about King cake. Yeah, we eat king cake. Bring it on. <laughs> I'm so excited But they it. don't put a baby in it anymore. I know, just stupid choking see. hazards. Yeah, I don't know. We never choked on it as kids. Yeah, so. I know. I just hit it and, yeah, I don't know. I have to get one this year. Mm-hmm. I'll save you a piece. Did you have one from Louder when I got one? I did. It was very good. It was very good. I tasted lemon in it, though. Yeah. Even though they say they don't put lemon, lemon in it. Anyway, we're not this podcast, so we don't just ramble. But if you haven't already, check out our Instagram, which is Bayou underscore Chronicles. Every episode, we post pictures and documents that kind of give you a peek into our case. Um, So you can see some, you can look at some pictures while you listen, if you're a visual learner. Um, You can also find us at Twitter, um, at Bayou Chronicles, and most recently on Twitch at Bayou Chronicles. In fact, our next episode is coming up on January 19th, um, in addition to our regular episode that week that'll drop on the 17th. So we'll be doing, um, we haven't set in stone what we're doing on the 17th yet, but on the 19th we will be doing another conspiracy episode and just hanging out, so definitely come join us. Um, Did you want to say something? Which I did, I did bring up an idea to Crystal about our mini episode on 17th. About us doing a Q&A. That's, like she said, it's not set in stone. We might do that. But if you have any questions you would like to ask us, you know, personal life or, you know, stuff about how we do the podcast or anything in general, um, maybe we could do a Q&A if we have enough questions that we could answer. Yeah, definitely. We are also starting to put together listener stories for a future episode. We have a couple, but we need some more. So if you have any creepy, scary stories, um, send them in. They can be paranormal, true crime that, you know, you experienced or witnessed, a conspiracy theory that you can think we should hear. Um, just write it out in a story and send it to us at Podcast at gmail.com. Or you could send it to us on Instagram if that's your jam. But yeah. Um, now to jump into the case. 
Um, I do need to shout out our mutual friend, Freddie. She's actually the first person to tell me about this case before I mentioned it to Bethany. Uh, she told me to go listen to a episode of the Morbid podcast that we, me and her already listened to. And I just hadn't listened to this one, I guess. But when I did, let me tell you, I was shook. Um, I told Bethany about it. It was another case that she immediately said, let's do it. Yes, we're doing this one. Mm -hmm. um, so let's just jump right on in. And let me tell you the story of Kelly Ann Bates. Which I feel like that's our trend. You bring a case that I've never heard about, which in this case, Freddie told you about. Mm -hmm. And then I'll be like, hey, have you heard of this? And you're like, let me get on Google. <laughs> so I feel like that's our trend. Yeah, it kind of has been lately. So Kelly was born May 18th, 1978 to Margaret and Tommy Bates of Manchester, England. Yep, that's right. This is our first international case. Kelly, growing up, Kelly was very mature. She always had older friends, which isn't weird because that was me. Yep, same. Like, yep. I was always the youngest of my group by several years. Um, her mom, Margaret, said that Kelly was very motherly and loved kids. As a result of this, Kelly became the neighborhood babysitter to several families in her neighborhood. In 1993, when Kelly was 14, she was babysitting for one of these local families one night. When the parents arrived home, they had a friend with them. This friend would be 30-year-old Dave Smith. Dave insisted on walking Kelly home in order to keep her safe. Which, mm, mm, okay. Okay. All right. What Kelly did not know was that in this moment, Dave had started grooming her for his own sick pleasure. So, that's all we really know about Kelly's backstory. There's not a whole lot. There wasn't. There was some info about what she wanted to go to school for and how she had dreams and aspirations of being, I think it said a teacher. Yes. Um, but they really didn't tell us a lot. Well, I, I noticed that, and I feel like a lot of stuff that we research, I feel like they glorify the murderer yeah. way more than the yes. victim. Because we learn so much more There's about so them. There's so much info about him. So but I would videos. love to have learned more about her life. Mm -hmm. um, but now let's talk a little bit about Dave. Um, he is the root of all evil that will come into Kellyanne's life. Not a whole lot is known about his early life. In fact, most of the research started with his background beginning with the divorce of his first wife. Mm -hmm. In 1970, Dave married his first wife. I couldn't find her name anywhere, but roughly 10 years later in 1980, she divorced him due to citing severe abuse and attempts on her life. This becomes a reoccurring factor that we will slowly start piecing together throughout the story. Mm -hmm. um, the very next year in 1980, Dave began to see Tina Watson, who was 20 years old. Um, the relationship was exactly the same. He would viciously beat her, abuse her for his own pleasure. The worst part of this is that she was currently pregnant with his child. The final straw for her was when he tried to drown her in the bathtub. 
Talk about a psychopath. You're trying to drown the woman that you supposedly love that is carrying your child. This sicko has a lot of anger towards women. Mm-hmm. And I wish I knew where it stemmed from and mm-hmm. probably won't ever know. I know, because I tried to look up, like, maybe something happened. Because, um, you know, YouTubers are friend. We can't we can't really plug Amazon this time. <laughs> there was no books on yeah, Amazon about this. You know, Crystal loves to <laughs> purchase her books to research. But it didn't really, I mean, same with Kellyanne. There really wasn't, it was like it just skipped to later. Like a big old chunk was just yeah. missing from time. So, after Tina escaped his wrath, basically. Mm -hmm. Thank God. uh, Yes. Two years after, like, two years after they started seeing each other. So, in 1982, after his relationship with Tina, he started what I guess you could describe as a statutory rape relationship. Meaning that the person he was with was a minor. And that's how it was described everywhere. Yeah. So, I left it like that. But it was just weird. I, I mean, that's what it is, but I've never... I've like, never heard that before. Yeah. Um, but she was 15 years old, and her name was Wendy. So at this point, I don't know how old he would have been. Quick math. It had been 1982. He was born he was in 48. 48. So, yeah, he was almost, uh, almost, uh, almost 40. Almost 40. Okay. So he was almost 40 dating a 15-year-old girl. Just let that sink in. In his typical psycho manner, he tried to drown her in the kitchen sink. Do you see the pattern yet? Dave seems to be a misogynistic man that enjoys beating and drowning women. Much younger than him. Mm-hmm. Because this is apparently what... It's a trend. Gets I, him off. I, I don't guess. know. So, eventually Wendy was able to also escape this wrath and just just escaped this horrible man. Um, But about 10 years later in 1993, this is when he began seeing a 14-year-old named Kellyanne Bates. At first, Kelly and James kept their relationship a secret. Kelly's parents suspected that she had a boyfriend, but assumed it was a boy that attended her high school because she's 14 and you're keeping a boy kind of secretive like I know for me personally I was into boys but I didn't like talk about boys at 14 because I was kind of like no I don't want anyone I just want to be secretive so like I get that and I could get why they would assume it would be somebody that she goes to school with because it's creepy makes sense um over the course of two years She eventually revealed to her mom and dad that her boyfriend was not someone her own age, but was now a 32-year-old man named Dave Smith. Which, that's not even his real age. Mm -mm. But we'll get there. Yeah, I know. Don't spoilers! Spoilers! Margaret's first meeting of Dave happened when 16-year-old Kelly brought Dave over to their house while her parents were out so i, I want like, she snuck a boy in i want to just picture the look on her parents <laughs> face like when he walked in um margaret's first so the kellyanne's mom margaret's first meeting of dave happened um that day when when kelly brought him over 
Margaret told reporters that she immediately had a bad feeling about Dave and did not want him around her daughter. In an article that I read, she stated that as soon as she saw him walk down the stairs of the house, she immediately just had this gut feeling that he was not good for her daughter. Um, but it's crazy. They'd already been dating for two years. Already been dating for two years. That's just, that blows my mind. Um, the once close relationship that Kelly shared with her parents started to suffer at this point. Kelly started to neglect basic hygiene. She began staying out all night, gone for several several days, and her parents couldn't get a hold of her. Um, and then she would come up with, like, bruises all over her body. One particular night, she came home with her face all black and blue. Kelly's mom had a feeling that this was a result of the abusive hands of Dave, but Kelly insisted that she was jumped by a group of girls. Being the concerned parents that they were, Margaret and Tommy tried and tried to get Kelly away from Dave. Mm. But Kelly insisted again and again that Dave was not beating her and that she loved him. Mm. So... I already have a lot I could say, like from a, a parent perspective. Um, but I'll, I'll, I'll keep it till the end. <laughs> keep it till the end. Concerned about the age difference and the signs of, of abuse that were very clearly seen, Kelly's parents um, tracked, tracked to where Dave was living and made a house call. Just showed up. During the visit, Dave tried to smooth things over with the parents as much as possible. Because, I mean, hey, this is a 32-year-old man with his own house. Um, and I didn't put this in my notes, but I do think it's important to mention that several things that I researched said that Dave was what you would call, um, how did they phrase it? House proud. Oh, yeah. Which I had never heard this term before. I had to Google, too. I, I didn't, had to Google. And basically yeah. what that meant is he had a very clean, perfect, mm-hmm. very nice home. He cared about the upkeep of his mm-hmm. home and cleaning his home. So he was very particular about his Even home. Even the outside of it. Yes. Mm-hmm. So when his when her parents show up, they're show, not showing up to... A bachelor pad, basically. They're showing up to a very nice, put-together home. Which doesn't make sense the more you get into the story. Yes. But, yeah. But it is what it is. Um, her parents claim that, claim in an interview, that while they were talking to Dave, they noticed that they're in the house, that there was a hole in the floor. And they believe that Kelly was being held in this hole, even though Dave claimed that the hole was created by engineers that were working on some part of the house. So, I'm not saying this is weird, but it did kind of throw a pothole for me, no pun intended, um, in the whole him being house proud, because why would he have a hole oh, in the floor? Would, yeah, that's part to, that it makes sense. To hold someone. Also, though, but, they, they never saw their daughter during this trip to the house. Well, she didn't live there yet. Okay. This was they before. They were just going to check up they, on Because him. they hadn't seen her daughter. They hadn't seen Kelly in a while. And they just really weren't sure about him. Because she'd been staying out late and being gone for multiple days at a time. And they just thought a lot of this was coming from him. Mm. So, 
Suspicious. Yeah. I don't get the whole hole in the floor thing. It feels very weird to me. That's I odd. couldn't find That's more odd. info about it. Yeah. It just felt very weird. Anyway, so at this point, they'd been together for about two years. Um, Actually, three, because Kelly was... 17 at the time. Yeah, and they started at 14. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, November 30th, 1995, at age 17, would actually be the last time that anyone in Kelly's family would ever see her again. Ever. Kelly did not stay in contact as well as her parents might have hoped, but they did receive calls every so often. During these calls, Margaret had her hardest to make sure that Kelly knew she had support and that she was loved. Mm -hmm. Her parents tried to get her to see that she was in a domestic violence situation, but Kelly again insisted that Dave was a good guy and that that wasn't happening to her, that she was okay. Mm -hmm. I mean, is anyone listening, if you've had somebody that you know or that you yourself have been in a domestic violence situation, you've either heard these words or you've said them yourself. Mm-hmm. He's fine. He treats me fine. He treats me great. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. If you have a gut feeling something's wrong, something's wrong. Mm-mm. In early March, Kelly called her mom to tell her that she would be seeing her for Mother's Day, which was the following weekend. This was weird for me because I kept saying March. March is not Mother's Day. And then I remembered we're not talking about a case in the U.S. Oh, yeah. Like March, April, May. I was like, that's not when Mother's Day is. Yeah. Totally threw me for a loop. Okay. Um, Mother's Day passed and Margaret never saw Kelly. She never came around. She did, however, get a card from Kelly that was not in her daughter's handwriting and made her feel kind of weird like why am i did dave write this card yeah like like, why is my daughter not writing me a card yeah a couple weeks later margaret and tommy received another card from kelly for their anniversary again it was not in kelly's handwriting so at this point they're concerned and they start to worry even more and for good reason why would he be sending why would their daughter be sending cards not in her handwriting? Mm-hmm. And why would Dave be sending cards to them on their anniversary and Mother's Day not in their daughter's handwriting? Like, I, none of it makes sense. Honestly, it would have been less weird if he just didn't, didn't send, send a card. At all. Yeah, just didn't. Yeah, exactly. Their innocent, loving daughter had been pulled so far away from them by this man that they only knew as Dave. Their daughter's at this point, 35-year-old boyfriend. That's insane. And she's not even 18. (sighs) There's a lot that I could say about that, but I'm going to wait. I'm going to wait because I'm going to wait. I know you're probably thinking the same things that I want to say right now, but we'll get there. In late March, uh, Margaret and Tommy had had enough. They were determined to get their daughter back and bring her home. One way or another, mm-hmm. they wanted their daughter back. As they were preparing to leave the house, their son, um, one, they're one of 
Kelly's brothers, she had two, Andrew, said that a friend of theirs had just seen Kelly and that she was looked she was looked fine, she was doing okay, um, and they shouldn't be worried about her. This obviously calmed them down because, you know, they hadn't seen Kelly since November, but if someone <sighs> else just saw her, then, you know, and she looked okay, they're fine. And this feels weird for me to say this, but in some of the stuff I read, they did talk about how they were trying to give her freedom and give her space and, you know, let her make her own decisions and stuff like that. And I completely understand that. There's a difference, though. There's a difference between wanting your child to have freedom and learn it's not like a bad breakup you're you're you physically know your child is being beaten so i feel like i feel like there's a difference like i don't think that this would have calmed me down any um but if it did them i can't discredit that either way it did calm them down and they figured they would let kelly have her space what they wouldn't find out until later was that the friend who said that they had seen Kelly around and that she had looked fine didn't recently see her. They saw her in December. So about four months ago. A lot happens in four months. Had they followed their gut, they may have been able to save her. And this is something that Margaret says she regrets to this day. And... Timeline-wise, from when they were going to see her and make another house call until when Kelly ultimately dies, spoiler, was about three weeks. I mean, that's what we talk about on here. (laughs) Spoiler. Was about three weeks of time. And when we get to the final part of this story, you will understand why those three weeks were so important important, Mm -hmm. and why it haunts Margaret to this day. Okay, so now I need to stop for a little bit and kind of tell you that I'm about to get to the rough, rough stuff. I mean, we've already talked about pedophilia and domestic abuse, and that's not easy at all that's not good stuff Mm -mm. but if you do not want to hear this next part because i don't know you don't like you're listening to this podcast i'm assuming you kind of like this stuff but if for any reason you need to skip please skip ahead skip to the end um on april 17th dave this is 1997 Mm-hmm. Or 1998. Ugh. No, not 1997. 1995. Six. She died. I'm sorry. In April 1996. Yes. You're right. These are just, these dates, I'm bad with dates. I'm the only history major in the history of history majors who sucks at dates. Well, and we've also done a lot of research lately for a lot of episodes. We have like two months of episodes planned, so dates are just... They're running together. Mushing together. Anyway, on April 17th, Dave walked into a police station 
and said that he had accidentally killed his girlfriend and wanted to turn himself in. When I first researched that and read and saw videos, that was just very weird to me. You don't hear that very often. People just straight up going into the police station and doing that. Personally, I think that he was so cocky and narcissistic that he really, truly thought that he could walk in there and tell them that. And he could charm them into thinking that he was innocent, just like he fooled her, fooled her parents, fooled everybody. See, my I was thinking the opposite. I was like, man, this dude is really stupid. He is really dumb. He just came in here I think he is and stupid. straight up told them this. And then what did you expect? They're going to be like, oh, okay, bud, accidents uh, happen. I think he's ridiculous and he is the dumbest person. But I think he was so dumb that he thought he could do he that. He could have probably gone like months more of her probably just being in the house and they wouldn't have even ever said because i'll just go ahead and say it her parents don't come and check on her so her body could have been in there for years anyways i don't know i just i think he was stupid overall that was just it blew my mind when i read that because let me go walk in hey guys i killed somebody somebody. but it was totally an accident yes and because I'm coming to tell you, that's how I you can like definitely know it was an accident. And you can't arrest me now. Sure. He claimed that they had got into an argument in the bathtub and she swallowed a bunch of water. I okay, um, okay. I'm gonna be honest. The first thing I did was try to visualize how you get into an argument in the bathtub. It's a very weird place. And how she swallowed a bunch of water. What are you doing? In a bathtub, arguing about physically that makes you swallow a bunch of water. In the bathtub, no. Now, if you're swimming or at the beach, yes, there's people that what's that dry drowning or whatever. Yes, a bathtub, no. That's not that's not very convincing. No, it it no, just no. He tried to. He said he tried to give her CPR, but he couldn't bring give her back, bring her back, and so that this was the previous day before. And um, he just came in the next day and said, hey. So he waited a full day already. Instead of, you know, like calling 911. Yeah. Like a normal person would. All right. Red flag. I mean, there was already a bunch of red flags. I started with red flags. The red flags were at the very beginning when it said a 30-year-old man at this point, walked her home. At this point, we have one of those big, like, flags that were, like, marching across the football field. Yes. And we're waving it. In front of someone's face. Just, like, right here. Specifically her parents. I want to keep putting <sighs> that in there. Police immediately arrested Dave and sent officers to his home. Well, yeah. As they should. Yeah. Uh, what they found was obviously not an accident. I'm pretty sure even an untrained person would know that. First responders found Kelly's blood in every room of this house and her lifeless body in the bedroom. This is that that's the part that I was like felt weird when I read that he went to the police station and he says that she drowned in the bathtub. Right, knowing that I had already skipped ahead uh-huh. and read some of it. I was like, really? What, for really? me, what was kind of like this, too, is when I read that there was blood in every room of the house and there it was just, it was bad, was all I kept thinking about was the fact that 
they kept saying that he was house. That's why I had to look house proud. That's why I had to Google it. I was like, okay, so in the beginning they said that he was house proud. Did he like go so crazy that he didn't care anymore? That's what happened. I think that he legitimately had a manic episode and kind of just like went off on her. And then you said she drowned, and then the first thing the police see when they walk in is blood blood everywhere. everywhere. Like first, I would be like, dude, number one, come on. All right, I don't even have to go any further. Get in the cell. Get in the cell. To know something's wrong. Uh, from the first look. At her, they knew that everything that he had told them was obviously a lie. Well, yeah. They're not dumb. Um, I think anyone could tell that. The coroner said that she had some 150 different individual different injuries on her body and was the worst case that he had ever had to examine. And this was a seasoned coroner not a newbie and when crystal says like 150 different injuries that doesn't mean like 150 stab wounds it's like a bunch of different things and crystal will get into yes. that but like just think of that it's not just like stab wounds yeah it's I'm, not just like one here one here adding up to 150 that's not what we're talking about because i feel about. like people are gonna think they hear, they hear that 150 and they're thinking oh she got stabbed 150, 150. times no now, that's horrible. Yeah, the I'm not saying where, it's not. Yeah, the cases where someone is stabbed 150 times is very bad, but that is not this. This this poor girl went through a lot. It was obvious that she had been inflicted an intense amount of abuse and violence towards the end of her life. <sighs> oh, I just got chills. If y'all, if I make it through this not crying, I'll be surprised. And I said that very southern, and this, crying. Yeah, and this but, is why Crystal said that three-week period. Yes, so listen carefully, and if this is too much, just skip ahead. In the weeks leading up to her death, Kelly was burned and branded with cigarettes and hot irons on her body, in particular her thighs. This was like a branding iron. I just, I, I don't, heated up. I don't want to know why, but when I read that, I was like, why the thigh? Like, it was like each thing I read, I was like, why, why? there? Why? Yes. Boiling water was poured in on her legs and her butt to that resulted in scalding um, on her feet, legs, her butt. Just imagine. Imagine that. Imagine boiling hot water being poured on your body while you're alive. Mm-mm. I spilled a little bit of my coffee on me, and I think yes, that hurts. Exactly. And that's too. not even that hot. That's just exactly. not the Keurig. Exactly. That sounded very bougie for me to say, but <laughs> but no, but still, I get it. Like you get in I the bathtub and it's a little too, too hot, warm, and, and I'm you, like, you want to take your toe out? Yeah. yeah. This is boiling hot water being poured on your body and scalding you and leaving you with third-degree burns. And you can't move because he was probably holding her down or telling her not to move. The entire time that, for about the last month of her life, Kelly was chained, or not chained, tied to a radiator using ropes and ligatures around her neck or even being tied to the radiator by her own hair. And if y'all don't know a lot about uh, radiators, they can be hot, very hot to the touch. So being tied that close to it, she was more than likely being burned repeatedly. <sighs> okay, big deep breath. 
let's keep going. Yep. She had countless stab wounds made by knives, scissors, forks, and pruning shears. The one that got me was the fork. Pruning shears was mine. Well, because those are sharp, so yeah, but a But fork, I'm just trying, yes, I see where you're going to see. It's not sharp, and you have to like physically stab, so. Yes. But the pruning shears. Those are sharp. I, they're very sharp, yeah. but I'm sitting here thinking, did you look around your house like a sick freak inside and out and say, hmm, what's sharp? What can I stab Kelly with today? I mean, though, I'm not saying this makes it. But, like, he's house proud, so, like, it made sense that he has all this. Because pretty yes. sure he's going to make sure his garden looks nice. But, yeah, I mean, he had to have the idea of let me go out into my garden and get my pruning shears and cut I it up. I hate this but man the fork, so much. I don't know why the fork bothered me so much. Like It's it's weird. And I, I really was like, why a fork? And the only thing I can think, it was just like a weapon of opportunity. Like maybe he had it and he got really mad. And just, I was thinking that like maybe they were eating one night at the table and he just like took the fork and stabbed it. But then I was like, oh my God. That's even worse of a situation. Yeah, like I've never gotten so angry that I just wanted yes. to just stab my husband with the fork even though I probably could now you know you can yeah but these stab wounds were all across her body and when i say all i mean all across her body um they were even in her mouth Uh, yeah that's another part that that got me yeah. I thought about this, and I don't understand it because every way that it... I'm going to start crying just thinking about it because every way that I think about it, I cringe. Like, do you stab someone in the mouth through their cheek, through the bottom of their mouth? Like, in between, like, your gums and your teeth? Like, like... I don't even know. And, like, probably a lot of this, like you said, he was in an episode and probably didn't even think about it and was just, like, lashing out. And probably, like, whatever part of her was by him. It scares me that someone could inflict this onto another person. And I hate it. I really hate it. He would eventually go on. And this happened over a course of time, guys. But remember, this happened in, like, the last month of her life. Mm -hmm. This happened in... Mm -hmm. Let's just even say 30 days. From what the coroner could, yes. could determine. Let's say 30 days. Mm-hmm. I mean, she had, like, reoccurring broken bones yes. and stuff. But, like, he guesstimated that, like, four to three to four weeks. Yes. So, let's just say that. He went on to mutilate her ears, her nose, her mouth, her eyebrows, her genitalia. And mutilate, if you don't know, means cut up, gash. You pro- yeah, you cut off parts, stabbed her a bunch. There's no telling. Like, well, I, yeah. He crushed several bones, including her hands, her arms, and her kneecaps, knee- so that she would not run away. The kneecaps, yeah, that's some mafia stuff, right there. Oh, one hundred percent. That's yeah. That's yeah. One hundred percent. He partially scalped her because, I mean, what else have you not done at this point? And starved her of food and water. The coroner said that she had um, lost a bunch of weight 
said two two three stones, which in ours uh, is I looked it up. It's forty four pounds. Okay, there it goes. I so converted she had it. Lost about forty four pounds. Because I didn't know. Stone. I don't know. What I mean, I know are. that's how they do their weight. But I don't know what the conversion. Yeah, is. but it's forty four pounds. Um, so he had starved her of food and water. So for a seventeen year old girl, that's a lot of weight. Yes. I mean, we don't know how much her starting weight was, but but all the pictures I saw of her, she was a very small, slender girl. So I can't imagine forty four pounds. She'd be skin and bones. Exactly. <sighs> okay. Approximately three weeks before he killed her. Remember I told you three weeks was important. So approximately three weeks before he killed her. And I will back up a little bit and say that the coroner did say it could have been anywhere. I think between. I think he said three to five weeks. Like he wasn't sure. I don't, yeah, I don't remember exactly what it was. But it was a little bit of a vague gray yeah. area. <sighs> he. I'm not laughing. That was a sigh of... We both have nervous laughs when we talk yes. about a lot of this stuff. Like, this stresses me out. Yeah. Um, He gouged her eyes out from her eye sockets. And after that, not immediately after, but days after he gouged her eyes out, he stabbed... Through the empty eye sockets. I'll be honest. I had to stop at this part. I mean, maybe I'm a different breed. Not because it bothered me. I mean, it bothered me. Don't let me say mm-hmm. that. But I immediately... That's how I'm questioning my sanity the further we go into these episodes. Because I stopped and I went to Google and I said, Can you die from having your eyes gouged out? Because in my mm-hmm. mind, I was thinking... If I got my, for some reason, my mind was thinking if I had my eyes gouged out, I was immediately going to die. Like, bleed out. Yeah. Shock or something. But no, it says that, I mean, it's connected to nerves. And basically, you could take your eye, your own eye out of the socket and, like, very little bleeding would happen. And I was like, that's terrifying. Oh, 100%. So she's having all this, and she's blind now, obviously. Yeah. And this is why her mom regretted not going over and forcing her to come home because she felt like at worst her daughter would be blind but at least she would still be alive and at least she would have her daughter back yeah because the coroner was from what i could see he kind of he had it in his mind that that was the first thing that happened to her Mm -hmm. from what he could tell from like the scar tissue and where he had stabbed her that that was probably one of the first instances so maybe it was, like, his guilt. Mm-hmm. Like, he knew he was going to do this to her, and he didn't want her to mm-hmm. see it. That's how I yeah. saw it. So, let's say it again. Three weeks before her death. So, for three weeks, she survived even more abuse, all while having her eyes gouged out. This girl had no idea. Just... I'm not asking you to put yourself in her shoes, but think about it for a second. You're in an immense amount of pain because your eyes just were gouged out. And who knows what broken bone you already had and how much pain you're in. And you probably, only thing that she wanted more than anything in this world was her mom and her dad and to be safe. And so she's sitting in a room 
chained up to a radiator or God knows what else. She can't see anything because her eyes are gone. The only senses that she really has is her hearing and touch at this point. And she's still adjusting to that because she's so used to being able to see. see. Yes, and so everything's hypersensitive. She just wants to go home. She wants to get out of the situation. She doesn't want to be here. Mm -hmm. And she's 17 years old. Mm. She is a child. This one was hard for me. This one was very hard. This man is sick. I literally just have one word, one sentence here. Tommy, which was Kelly's father, had to identify her body. Which is hard to even do. Like, she was so mutilated and stuff. Like, and her, I can't don't imagine. have eyes. Like, that could be anybody laying there, honestly. And I have to imagine that they had to show him a part of another part of her body to identify her. Like, maybe like a mole or a birthmark. Birthmark, yeah. Um, because, but at the, what point could he do that? Because, not what point, it's not what I meant to say, but like, how could he, he still would have had to have seen... I can't think of the words because I'm just so <laughs> distracted by everything in this case. He had to have seen the abuse because he still would, even if he identified a mole on her, on her leg, he would have had to seen the third degree burning or the burns from cigarettes and the branding iron. Or he would have had to seen a stab wound or something on his daughter's body because she was so heavily covered. I'm going to be honest, though, and this is the God's honest truth. Um, I don't feel bad for her parents for having to see that. Why? And y'all can roast me. Y'all can email in. You can tell me I'm a terrible person. But, like, and I just kept thinking this over and over and over again. There's no way in hell... The, the first time, I don't have daughters. I have sons, so I can't speak from, like, a parent that has a daughter. But the first time that my daughter, or sons, either way, Mama Bear will go and attack, came to my house, and their face was black and blue, you're not leaving my house. You're not leaving my house. I will go and find this dude, and I will do the same thing to him. And I kept saying that the entire time. Literally the entire time, I kept thinking, where are her parents? Where are her parents? Why is nobody come, came over? Last time you saw your daughter was in November, and you're going to identify her body in April? You get a card in the mail that's not even your daughter's signature. It's the boyfriend's, and you don't go and immediately go over there? No, I'm sorry. I Just the entire time, I did not. It's rough. Yes, I'm very sorry that they had to go and see their daughter like that, and he had to identify her body. But, like, think of her. Think of Kelly. Yeah. Think of all the stuff Kelly went through and nobody went, even her own brothers. Nobody went from November to April. Yeah. And the only, only reason they're identifying her is because the stupid dummy went to the police station and said he killed her. How much longer would they have gone? I don't know. I mean, I see, I see where you're going. My mom goes in the afternoon without me texting her, and she's calling like, hey, are you okay? I'm not trying to get all up in your life, but you haven't messaged me today. I'm like, mom, I'm, I'm okay. I'm fine. But that's just like us. Mm -hmm. And that's my grandma, too. But, like, I don't know. 
I don't know, like, do you talk to your mother-in-law pretty often? Does she message y'all pretty I do. Often? Like, I talk to my mother-in-law just about every single day, so. I mean, like, I don't know. Like, I feel like a mom, like, you don't have to be breathing on their neck. I mean, I talk to my mother-in-law more than my husband talks to his own mom, so. I feel like that's just, that's just life. Boys don't really do that, but yeah. you get what I'm saying? Like, I don't know. I made you, I carried you for nine months, you can answer the phone, okay? Exactly. Like, yeah, I don't know. That's just how I felt the whole time. So, I'm feeling some type of way towards these parents. Yeah. You're looking at it from the view of a mother. I'm looking at it from a view of a daughter. But I, I, even as the view of a daughter, I would have never done this to my mom. And, like, yeah, and I think you I think you just have sympathy for them because that is... I do. That's I feel, rough. I do feel a lot of sympathy for them because, yeah, like, it is rough. Like, no one should have to go through this ever. And no one deserves to Mm-mm. go through this. And I can feel all type of way, and I probably will. But, I mean, they have to live with this for the rest of their lives. So, they're, they, they're already going through it enough. They don't need me to be on here telling them how to be a parent. I'm sure everybody on the internet and the news and media told them their friends, their family probably righted like or this is you put just, out every wrong that they've ever made. I I think a good way to look at it though is in parenthood or even in life this isn't like a oh well next time I'll do this. You get one chance. It, it's one chance with your child and if they pass away and they're murdered, that was your one shot. Yep. So I don't know. That's how I was looking at it the whole time researching it. But, yeah. I just felt some type of way. So, get ready for a twist. November 12th, 1997, which was the trial. So, like, six, seven months later. Yeah, a year later. A year and a a year and a half later. Because it happened in 1996. Yeah, April. Of 1996. This is November of 1997. Yeah, you're right. You're right. I was thinking it's falling here. I don't know my months, people. It's okay. It's okay. So, November 12, 1997, Kelly's family would find out that the man that they knew as Dave Smith was actually named James Patterson Smith and was much older than they thought. He was actually 45 when he met Kelly, when she was 14. So 48 when he killed her. That's amazing. That's just... That's gross. I am all for whatever you want to do if you're 21 and the guy you're dating's 51. Go for it. You're an adult. I don't care. If that's what makes you happy, I'm happy for you. But 14? But still she's in school? 14. 14. Mm. The prosecution used his violent past against him in the trial that we talked about. As they should. Some of the women who he attempted to drown and whom were beaten were brought in to testify against him, which I was incredibly happy that they did. Yeah, that's brave of them. Prosecutor Peter Openshaw spoke about the abuse to the jury that Kelly suffered and made sure to point out that these horrible acts happened over a period of time and that James did every single one of them deliberately. Mm Mm-hmm. He later cites the cause of death as drowning, 
but says that she had to have been beaten with the shower head right before she was drowned. So basically she was passed out and then yes. just kind of gave into it. Yeah. yeah. Openshaw said, quote, her death must have been a merciful end to her torment. And I can say that I probably, if I was her, I probably wouldn't have even fought. Honestly, though, like, if she had survived, like, it, it, it probably would have been a hard life. I mean, no eyes, your bra, your body's basically broken, so, I don't know. She probably, and I would say, I don't, I wasn't there, I don't know. Mm-mm. But I can kind of, I kind of feel like she probably fought for so long, and she was so tired. So sad, she was probably thinking somebody, somebody has to come over, somebody has to come stop this, and... Mm-hmm. They didn't. James slash Dave um, claimed that Kelly would mock him and his late mother and would make him mad on purpose. Yes, a 17-year-old girl makes you mad on purpose, and that's reason enough for you to do what you wanted to do. And that this would cause him to get so upset that he would hit her or stab her or whatever. When asked point blank why he stabbed her and blinded her, he simply said it was because Kelly dared him to do it in the heat of the argument. We'll process that one. Uh, when I read this part, uh, I just, I don't know. Like, like Crystal says, like, we're not, we've never been there. This is ne- none of these stories have we physically witnessed with our own eyes. But, like, when I read that, it was, like, something in my heart and soul, like, told me, like, that 100% is true. Like, I just never got that vibe from any of the research I did about Kelly that it it just felt like she was a very sweet, wholesome girl that just happened to come into this life of this dude that had a lot of issues. And he obviously had his issues, and I'm guessing it had something to do with his mom, even though there was, like, no info about it. And he felt so guilty and people aren't believing him like he's used to or he's not getting away with it like he used to. That he's like, well, I gotta make her look like the bad guy. Mm-hmm. I know that's exactly what he was trying to do. He was trying to make it look like he did all this because it was Kelly's fault. Nobody is going to ask you to gouge their eyes out. Nobody's going to ask no you to one's pour gonna say hot the water. of an argument, I dare you just to, you want to gouge me out? You want to gouge my eyes out? I dare you to do it. I yeah, dare you. okay. And if you do do it, I don't think they're going to keep asking you to torture them. They're gonna, probably going to want to leave. Get out. Call 911. <laughs> <sighs> Almost done, guys. Almost done. The jury took one hour to find him guilty of Kelly's murder. Dang. He was sentenced to a minimum of 20 years, because I guess that's just how they do their sentencing Well, he's already old as hell, so I mean... Yeah. Um, The entire jury was so affected by the pictures, information, and testimonies from the case that they were offered professional counseling. Every single member of the jury accepted. Mm -hmm. He is still in prison today... And I sure hope he remains there until he dies. I do. I did read a little bit about the jury, and a lot of them said they still have nightmares today. Oh, I'm sure. And a lot of them don't even like to, like, go out in the public because they're afraid they'll run into somebody like him or get snatched up or they didn't want their kids to go out and play and be kids. And I was like, that's so sad. 
you basically take the innocence away from your kids because you saw this and you want to shelter them, which you're not wrong, but then your kids don't get to be kids. And it's sad there's people out there that make us feel that way because I do feel like that with my kids too. Yeah, you want to protect them from the one bad apple in the group that... And it's not even that we might think that you're a bad person. We just kind of have to keep our guards up, you know? Well, that is all I have for you. That's the ending of the story. Um, I know this one was really rough. Are any of them really not rough? Because, I mean, I keep saying this one's rough, but really, last week was rough. The week before that was rough. They all are. Um... I wrote in my notes that I hope he is having the worst possible day every single day and that he has a hangnail on every single nail because mm-hmm. those hurt. Mm-hmm. Or like, you know, when your cuticles <laughs> have like that little pullback yeah. that hurts. I hope every I single nail has like 12 oh of those. God. And my palm was itching earlier today and it took everything I could to like scratch it. So I said, I hope the palm of his hands always itch and he can find no relief. See, no matter what. For my family, that means you're going to come into some money. I know it is for me, too. But I hope he never comes into money, but his palm always itches. You can come into money, but you can't spend it. Yes. Because you're in jail for the rest of your life. And you're so, like, I hope he's just, like, just itchy all over. I hope he's just miserable. <laughs> and Jeez. every bad thing that could possibly happen to somebody, I hope happens to him. Don't get on Crystal's bad side. <laughs> you're going to have a bunch of hangnails on every single one of your fingers. Um, but yeah, that's all I got for you guys. So, Bethany, do do we need to decompress after this? Because I feel like we need to decompress. Yeah, thanks you guys so much for listening. Me and Crystal are so, so excited. Um, Happy New Year's, guys. We have, this is, we only started two months in 2020. So, about a little over two months. We started, our first episode released October 28th. We released it a few days early. It was supposed to release on Halloween. So, really, we only had two full months in 2020, and just think, it is the new year, it is 2021, and you're going to have a full year of Bayou Chronicles. And I'm we so are, excited. We are so excited, we are so thankful, so thanks for taking, you know, a few moments out of your day to come listen to us, come hang out with us, all the emails we get, all the follows that we get on Instagram, which I see our Instagram's been popping lately. I know. We're getting a bunch of new followers on Twitter, which I'm loving, and I'm still figuring Twitter out. So shout out to y'all. Um, our first um, Twitch episode was absolutely amazing, and we're going to be doing our second one here in a few weeks. So yeah, like Crystal said, you can find us on Instagram, Bayou underscore Chronicles. You can find us on Twitter at just Bayou Chronicles, and you can now find us on Twitch at Bayou Chronicles all one word make it sure it's all together and yeah we will see you guys next week thanks bye